The first hour of the show, as has become tradition, we'll talk to someone from back in the day, radio and records-wise, and I figured the best way to end the year was with one of my best buddies of all time, Kevin Gershon, who is a producer-director now at uh, CBS Television, and a, a really big deal, but he uh, used to be in radio, uh, and boy, did he ever. We had just a great time, and if you want to join us, 888-876-5593 is 8888 Raleigh on WGN Radio. Now, with that, uh, with that said... Let's see. Got a new phone system here, and I'm still getting used to it. And there's Kevin. How are you, Kevin? Hey, Raleigh. Thanks for having me on tonight. Oh, I'm delighted about this, as always. Uh, we, we could we could talk for many hours, but before we go way back in the day, this year has been certainly an interesting one for everybody, but even more so on a breaking news show like Entertainment Tonight. So uh, tell me about some of the oddest things that have been going on during the pandemic behind the scenes. Well, behind the scenes, Entertainment Tonight, like the rest of the industry, uh, pretty much after March 12th, uh, had to go home and couldn't be uh, all together uh, on our studios at CBS uh, Studio Center in Studio City, which is not far uh, from Universal Studios in, uh, in Los Angeles. And so very, very quickly, we all had to come up with a work plan on how to work from home. So it was very challenging for the entire team, as it was for all the other uh, CBS shows that were uh, either actual live news or entertainment news, such as Entertainment Tonight. Uh, So uh, our IT teams really got things together. We were able to remote into all of our equipment, talent shot from home, and there's a million details as to how it happened, but... uh, like most of the industry, we had to find a new way to still get out product while uh, not stepping foot on the studio lot. Yeah, I would think especially for a show like Entertainment Tonight, which, uh, let's face it, every time I turned it on, you were at this gala or that gala or this event or that event. So suddenly having to do it all on a Zoom call, if you will, uh, that, that logistically had to be an absolute nightmare. Well, it is because, you know, a lot, uh, you know, not everybody had the gear that you need. You know, we did as a studio or we're able to, we were able to get it to people. But interestingly, um, although Entertainment Tonight has always had great access to every, everyone, we found that, uh, you know, our star content even went up a little bit during COVID because people were home and available. They weren't all over and you could zoom in and do that. And this is probably something that will continue uh, after uh, COVID is over. Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. It was, it'd was it be much easier to get people. Now, on the other hand, when you're at the galas and all that, they don't have to really be doing anything. They just have to kind of glitter there and, you know, make a few nonsensical comments. But when you're getting them on a Zoom call, uh, what's the premise? What were you talking to them about? Well, of course, like everybody else, it's like, okay, you're usually flying all over the world. You're in hair, you're in makeup, you're at this studio, you're at that studio, you're on this stage, you're in this country, in that country, uh, shooting things, you're going to meetings, you're doing stuff, you're going to pick out wardrobe. What are you doing now? Well, you know, I'm teaching my uh, five-year-old math. (laughs) So, uh, interestingly, a lot of the stars have the same problems and the same issues uh, as uh, 
all the non-celebrities have. And sure, you know, maybe they have help and they have nannies and stuff like that. But it was hard to bring those people in as well. So a lot of people were home with their families. Uh, so some of the COVID was probably a blessing for uh, working uh, showbiz people who aren't home very often, who are now spending concentrated time with their uh, significant others and their children. Yeah, I would, I would think it would be a real getting-to-know-you task on some level. But the other thing, of course, is California is locked down tighter than, than many parts of the country. And, of course, initially everybody thought this was going to be a two-week work stoppage and back to normal and hadn't been. And you talk about nannies and help and stuff like that. I would assume that a good proportion of them suddenly, next thing you know, they have to quarantine. Correct. Well, you know, we're on a uh, stay-at-home order here now, which uh, expired yesterday, and uh, Governor Newsom is talking about extending that. And they are also asking, although uh, some film and TV programs, especially news and stuff, uh, have been given exceptions to do that, but they're even asking us to, uh, you know, consider uh, going back to how we were doing it in March, uh, just to help slow down the spread. That that's going to be real interesting because there there's really no expiration date, as it were, and uh, a lot of shows, particularly those uh, that were produced in advance and were expected to roll this September as business as usual, and and of course couldn't. So as as you look at coming up with a business plan for 2021, what's on everybody's mind? Well, look. You know, it's uh, show business, not show friends. And just like anything else, you have to look at um, a studio like CBS or whether it's NBC or ABC or Fox who produce content for everything. They're the big corporation. They're McDonald's. And all of their shows are different franchises spread around the country. And uh, it's important to all of them how each of their franchises uh, brings in both advertising revenue and, um, you know, other monies from integrations and stuff like that. And so it's interesting. It's, uh, you know, uh, a lot of things have to rerun. A lot of things uh, got postponed till other things. And, you know, everybody's looking at their bottom line as well and trying to come up with uh, new ways to generate revenue as well as how to uh, make up for the revenue lost from the pandemic. On the upside, everybody's at home, so they've got nothing to do, theoretically, but watch television. And I say theoretically because these days, television, no different than radio in terms of there's a lot of different delivery points. You can watch it online, you can watch it live, you can watch it replayed. But all that said, have you seen a ratings increase with everybody kind of holed up in their domiciles? I, w I would say we absolutely have seen no ratings harm from it, and there's been spikes of great ratings for all the television shows because people are home. And, you know, the VOD video on demand, whether it's, you know, Netflix or Hulu or the Paramount Channel, uh, which is ours, or CBS All Access, which is ours, get a little plug in there for them, um, everybody is actually, you know, getting a lot more usage, a lot, of, a lot more subscribers, for instance. Yesterday, there was a football game, the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers against the Arizona Cardinals. Well, uh, Amazon Prime Video made a deal with the NFL 
to run a lot of the NFL games in addition to other places that run them. But one of their deals was that one game per season would be exclusive to Amazon Prime. And they were able to do that, and that was yesterday's game. So if you were a San Francisco 49ers fan or an Arizona Cardinals fan, you had no choice but to see it on Amazon Prime. So if you uh, if you were already a member, great. But if not, you know, how many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people signed up that day so they could see that game? Yeah, and that's going to be really interesting because undoubtedly there were a lot of subscribers. No doubt about that. But considering the advertising budgets and major advertisers pulling back in a big, big way, it'll be interesting to see how that panned out for them as a financial decision. Yeah, it, it, you know, uh, I'm not too worried about Jeff Bezos. <laughs> uh, I think uh, he, he, can, he, can, he can withstand that. You know, uh, Chris Rock had a, a couple... Uh, uh, Oscars ago when he was there. He wasn't hosting, but he was there. He goes, look at that, Jeff Bezos. He says, Jeff Bezos, Amazon Prime. He says, he's the richest man in the world. Now, to give you an idea of how rich he is, he is so rich that he just got divorced, his wife took half, and he's still the richest guy in the world. <laughs> exactly. So it's a really good take on it. Yeah, you, you betcha. All right, well, enough of the past, enough of the future and the present. We'll go back to the past, and we'll pick it up right there. And if anybody wants to join us, we'll give you plenty of reason. 888-876-5593. It's 8888-RALEIGH on WGN Radio. When you're alone. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James, and I know Kevin Gershon likes Frank Sinatra, but I was also playing that because it's one of those records that just immediately snaps me back to working at KMPC, doing overnights, playing the music of what's left of your life, and thinking to myself, how the hell did this happen? And, <laughs> and uh, Kevin, of course, and I met in, in the first go-round at uh, KMPC, and I was, I was trying to think, Kevin, but did we meet working on Energy 80? I think we met a little bit before then, but okay. yes, uh, Energy 80 was a very interesting project. Um, uh, KMPC was owned by Gene Autry, who had a group of radio stations and fell under the Golden West Broadcasters um, heading. And this idea had come up with during the 1980 energy crisis to come up with some PSAs, public service announcements, to run uh, little uh, story vignettes uh, for free on other stations telling about how one American can make a difference. Today's answers for tomorrow's problems must come from you. And uh, Ray Smithers uh, uh, and Jerry Trowbridge uh, headlined that idea. He was the production director at KMPC at the time, and we had... Orson Welles and Gary Owens and Henry Fonda and Martin Sheen and Elena Verdugo and Phyllis Diller and Dom DeLuise and the list goes on doing all these things, whether it was Charles Goodyear inventing rubber or uh, the Wright brothers inventing flight. And it talked about how one American doing one little thing started things off and made a difference in trying to hopefully inspire 
other Americans to try to come up with something to maybe help our energy crisis. Yes, and the public service campaign was truly delightful. It was 79, actually. We're talking about the coming 1980. And uh, Ray, however, Ray Smithers, who was great, uh, he he put this all together, and it sounded so wonderful on the air until he decided he was going to do the big gala. And I've actually on... I've, uh, I've talked a little about this uh, on WGN when somebody brought up the subject of dry ice, and I said, you know, they can really ruin expensive shoes. <laughs> but uh, Ray had decided, and we affectionately called it Ray's Rocket, that, that he was going to create this thing that would make you think that you had gone into outer space. And, well, you can kind of pick it up there because you were at the disaster. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, across the street from the KMPC studios, KMPC studios in Hollywood was on Sunset Boulevard. It was a big white building that looked like the White House, and it was the old original Warner Brothers studios before they moved to Burbank, where they actually, in the stage behind our radio film, Al Jolson and the Jazz Singer. And there were other stages, like you know, CBS's Columbia Square was down the street, but there was another uh, building across the street had a corner from KMPC that we also own, and it was empty. And so Ray had this great idea, and he built Ray's Rocket, which was um, based on uh, the star original 1966 Star Trek shuttlecraft. And so we built like a replica shuttlecraft that would have seats in it, like if you had been to Disneyland or Walt Disney World and seen their Star Tours type of uh, attraction. So there was a bunch of theater-type seats, and where the viewing screen would be in the shuttlecraft was the screen to uh, do a, for the purpose of this now, a PowerPoint presentation with audio of of all of these things and things that we filmed. It was a big premiere, and there was a, there was a bar, and there was a food, and it was a black tie event. But of course, they wanted it to be space-like, so they got all these dry ice machines. Not your normal stage, like if you're on a movie set, you know, fog machine or smoke machine so the lights read better. We're radio people. We don't know anything about that. We just got dry ice. (laughs) Well, all these people show up in their fancy dresses and their tuxedos and their nice shoes, (laughs) and the dry ice, of course, uh, makes moisture. And this is a concrete floor. Well, the next thing you know, people are slipping and sliding and falling down and knocking over people with trays of champagne glasses. And um, it was a little bit of a disaster, uh, but eventually they turned off the dry ice machines, got everything cleaned up, and the rest of the evening went fine. But uh, the the first half uh, was unbelievable. Well, I would beg to differ about the rest of the evening because, of course, Ray's Rocket was also supposed to kind of imitate the feel of the rides you'd get kind of at the mall. So you'd feel the G-forces and all this kind of stuff. And he talked the people out of Riccaro to, at Riccaro to send him all the seats. And to this day, I wonder, who the hell got those seats? Those were nice seats. But the bottom line is the rocket did nothing. All, right, so all these people got in for this and were certainly not on the ride of their life. All right, so we're going to pick it up right there. I'm talking to Kevin Gershon about radio back in the day. And you're more than welcome to join us. 888-876-5593 is 8888 Raleigh on WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James, talking to Kevin Gershon, who is a big... 
big deal at CBS television, but back in the day, like all of us, was a denizen of radio. And that is, of course, Curtis Lee, Yuma's own, Under the Moon of Love, 1961 on Dunes. Tommy Boyce wrote that with Curtis. Phil Spector produced it. And Phil turned 81 over the weekend. On last Saturday, he turned 81, which I found amazingly hard to believe. But back when I was at KMPC, I remember so well, and I think I told you about this, Kevin, and I know you've got uh, Phil Spector stories, but I was, I was still in with Bill Drake, and he came home one day, and he said, we're going to go to Phil Spector's for dinner Friday night. And I said, okay. And he said, I'm telling you this now because you need to call somebody to let them know where we are. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, if Phil really likes you, he may not let you leave for a few days. I said, what, like hold you at gunpoint? He said, exactly. Needless to say, I didn't make the dinner. And as far as I know, neither did Bill. But I know you've got a few stories, probably if we want to get into the Humble Harv one, maybe, maybe not. But take it away, Kevin. <laughs> well, you know, Phil Spector was an uh, uh, interesting guy. And he, uh, we used to, during, the, uh, during KHJ, uh, they did the Phil Spector sound test on the history of rock and roll, and they played a bunch of rock and roll records for Phil, and it didn't make it into the first uh, cut of the history of rock and roll, but eventually made it into uh, what aired. And, uh, you know, as a musical giant, you know, you certainly can't argue about, uh, you know, his successes and stuff like that. But interestingly, you know, in his in his private life, exactly what you said, you know, look, during the uh, hard copy years, you know, we covered the whole, you know, murder oh, trial man. and stuff like that. And, you know, he would come into court with these, you know, crazy hairdos and stuff <laughs> like that. Not at all like the uh, Phil Spector of musical lore. Yeah, it was uh, it was hilarious, and he was one of the many uh, many denizens over the years. Of course, uh, uh, you know the other thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about what stories could we tell on the radio because you know off the radio, of course, is very different, but. Uh, I, every time I would drive by the South Coast Plaza in hotel, I would laugh. And for two reasons. One of them was because of Morgan and the Shrimp. So we can start there. Yes, yeah, so we did a remote at the uh, near the Crystal Cathedral. And we were staying uh, at a relatively new Doubletree Inn. Now, uh, I was producing uh, Robert W. Morgan's show, and uh, there was a, uh, an issue that ahead of the remote, there were some stationary supplies that needed to be purchased. And I went to a nearby stationary store where we had an account, and I want me, you know, maybe I spent $75 back then of stationary supplies, which is a lot. We're talking about, you know, five by seven cards, marks a lot, rulers, whatever, things that we'd need on the remote. Yeah. And our remote was on Friday, but we got paid on Thursday. Well, when I got paid on Thursday, my paycheck was $75 less than, than what was going on. So, yeah, Robert W. Morgan, to his credit, the next, uh, you know, that day when we went to go to the Doubletree, I said, you either got to pay Kevin back his $75 or I'm not going on the air the next morning. Anyway, they all scrambled. In the meantime, uh, everything was on trade. Uh, what that means for those that are listening is like 
everything we had, we, we just had to pay them back in airtime on, on the radio. We didn't have to give out any cash. So mind you, first of all, we had a very, very extravagant dinner. We're having beef Wellington. We're having foie gras. We're having Louis XIV, uh, uh, Napoleon brandy at $75 a shot, whatever the price was at that time. So now we're, you know, we're talking, and eventually we get back up to our suite of rooms. And Robert says, I'm still hungry, Kevin. See if you can order me up a shrimp cocktail. <laughs> and so I call, and they say, oh, you know, we only have individual shrimp cocktails up until 5 o'clock. All we have is the shrimp platter for 130 <laughs> for the catering. Send, send it on up. Okay. So if you can imagine, like if you're at a convention, one of those giant shrimp towers <laughs> that was at least three or four feet high, filled with these gigantic jumbo shrimp, that we okay, and, 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 and like and a boat of red sauce. So you know, Robert's going, you know, what the H is this? <laughs> I said, well, they didn't have an individual shrimp cocktail. They have. <laughs> Says, well, good enough. And mind you, we had about fifteen people up there in the suite. We made it. We made a pretty good dent in it, and then we asked them for some containers, and we took it home along with uh, every bottle of booze in the bar. I think that was the entire annual trade. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. They were. Le- they were. They were. They were. They were less than pleased. And I don't know if you remember this, because it was it was around the first time, and I, I swear it was Ray Smithers, but it might not have been. And it was a Gene Autry deal, and they were doing a remote from South Coast Plaza. you know. And, of course, this is a big shopping mall in Orange County by Santa Ana and Irvine, and there's a lot of hotels and all that kind of stuff. All right, so I was pretty sure it was Ray. But he had to talk about the hotel. And what he was supposed to say was there's a harpist in the lobby. And what he said was, there's a rapist in the lobby for your entertainment pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> and to, you remember yeah, this, I know. Yeah, it was to, right. Yeah, right. And there's a rapist in the lobby for your entertainment pleasure. And to this day, I mean, a year ago, I was driving by South Coast Plaza, and literally, John was with me. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't understand why I would break into gales of laughter. And I find this, because I don't think Ray even knew he said it when he said it. It was just, just absolutely classic, classic fun. But there, there are so many. Yeah, um, yeah we had another uh, radio personality, um, Roger Carroll, who's oh. been on the other. I'm Roger Carroll, and I play records. Yeah. And uh, Roger was known for many of his faux pas like that. Um, uh, you know, when he would, he would, he would have. Uh, a sponsor, and uh, uh, instead of Schlitzbeer, you could imagine what he said, you know, by mistake. Uh, instead of Hughes Air West, he called it Hughes Air Worst. Yes. Of course, they canceled, you know, after that. So, you know, you know, when you're live on the radio, a lot of stuff happens, as you know, Raleigh. <laughs> well, of course, in KMPC, was they'd call it Station of the Stars, and every damn star listened. And I remember I used to do that this date in history stuff, and I believe it was Joni James. And I said, "Wow, haven't thought of that name in a while. She's been gone a long time." Well, the woman was alive and listening in Palm Springs, and so of course I heard about that. But one of my favorites was when Morgan was talking about their uh, their their new 
commercials. And uh, Pat Buttram said, because everybody was in suits and all that kind of stuff, yeah, for a moment there, I thought that Frankie Lane had died. And <laughs> Frankie Lane <laughs> called up to You were probably there that morning. <laughs> Yes, I yes I was. And rumors of, rumors of my death were greatly exaggerated. <laughs> um, one one of the great things that uh, people who listen to radio today a lot don't get is a lot of personality radio, of which there was a lot. People did live reads for commercials, and it wasn't just a scripted vignette or or spot that they read that. Even if they had a guideline in a copy book, they got to work around it. Hey, I'm here to talk about standard shoes, and, you know, uh, that's where I get all my shoes, my family shoes, whatever. And I always thought that type of radio was a lot more uh, effective for the local sponsors, but very few local sponsors are involved anymore. It's a big money grab for uh, you know, the larger sponsors and the regional yeah. sponsors and stuff like that. Uh, and not just because of that, there's, there's fewer and fewer mom and pop, you know, record stores, hardware stores, gas stations, whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the remotes are all, all but uh, all but gone. We're talking to Kevin Gershon and uh, far south, uh, southern California radio. But uh, radio across the country back in the day was uh, was equally compelling. And if you've got any stories, we'd love to hear them. Otherwise, oh, man, I, uh, I told Kevin an hour and I think both of us thought, well, how will we confine it to that? Well, we'll find a way coming up on WGN Radio. We're talking to uh, Kevin Gershon, of course, a very big wig today at CBS Television. But back in the day, well, Kevin was a little younger than the rest of us, so he was utterly fearless. And as I say, I think that my favorite visual in my mind's eye is you deciding you were going to break into the general manager's office through the ceiling. You wind up falling down with one of the ceiling tiles, and I swear to God, it was like an hors d'oeuvre on a Ritz. Now, why were you doing that? Well, you know, it's an interesting time. This is a uh, Madonna's uh, record, Vogue, was about to come out. And across town, Rick Dees on uh, Kiss FM was set to debut that record at 7.20 a.m. Robert W. Morgan being the competitive guy, he's like, what are we, you know, we going to do? Well, I knew that we had the record in our music library, but it had been embargoed until after... Rick Dees played it. Was any good respecting Los Angeles Morning Man would do? It's like, okay, uh, we'll break the embargo. There might be some problems. There might be a fine, whatever it is. It might be worth the cost. So I knew where the records were kept. Nothing was locked. The door was locked, but they had these fake acoustic tile ceiling so i get up on a ladder and i crawl over but there's no ladder on the other side so when i get there i fall through the acoustic tile uh you know you know we're talking maybe 10 11 feet you know hit the desk and hit the ground about bouncing around like you'd see in a cartoon thank god i was young i didn't break anything i was just a little bit black and blue but the office had a like double lock on it. So even though the door was locked without the key, you couldn't unlock it even from the inside for that very reason. So I had to crawl back over. Needless to say, anyway, we, we, we got the record on at 620. Rick Dees was furious. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, it was all in good, uh, good uh, radio, morning Radio Wars fun. And we should mention that while this sounds pretty extreme, this was nowhere near KMPC's darkest days, because KMPC employed Gary Owens, who at one point shot out the air conditioning system because he was upset. But I'll never forget him walking into the receptionist, Cher Stegman was her name, and saying, the tire fairy just paid a visit because Gene Autry's insurance man apparently had parked in his parking space but but Is it yeah go ahead okay so here's here okay so i have a whole a whole story so the first it was always gary owens shot out somebody's tire well okay that, that was a little bit of an exaggeration he used to carry around a swiss army knife and one of the longtime engineers who had been there had parked in gary's spot and he cut all the valve stems off of <laughs> Right. The car, and it was a big ordeal. Many years later, yeah. Gary would always be doing different things, whether it was laughing, whether it was voiceovers for NBC, whatever it was. He was a, a busy guy in addition to his afternoon radio shift on KMPC. And um, when he got to work this particular day running late, uh, someone was parked in his spot, and it was... Uh, the West Coast sales representative for Toyota, oh. who was having lunch up in the Gene Autry dining room. And so this really bothered him. And Gary was a gun enthusiast and uh, had, you know, had some guns, whatever. So he strapped on his gun and, you know, went outside. He was very upset <laughs> and kind of the receptionist fainted and he gets back on the air and uh, as the news is going, well, thank you very much. Uh, Byron the Friendly Elf was just instructing me on how to blow out the engine block of a brand-new Toyota. <laughs> okay. A- anyway, he wasn't going to do it. But, I mean, he, he, uh, enough that enough people uh, were, were scared about it and stuff like that. Uh, at the end of the day, we took his guns and put them back in the office so they didn't scare anybody, and he apologized. and. I was right with the world. I was sure he got Audrey's insurance agent at one point. I was pretty sure that that had happened. But one thing that I, might have happened. It might yeah. have happened as well. Yeah, and that might have been after you left. But I'm pretty sure that he walked in and said the tire fairy has just paid a visit. But in in any what I hear, yeah. The, okay, so after that, after the tire fairy, um, I don't know if you know, like you know, like parking lots, you know that after you go out the exit, these spikes come up. Yes. So you can't back back into it. Yes, the treadles. So we had a parking. Yeah, we had a uh, parking lot across the street that had one of those things. So with once you pulled in, you couldn't. Once you pulled out, you couldn't pull back in that same way without popping your tires. And there was a big sign that said "caution: severe tire damage." So I went across the street and uh, appropriated that and placed it over Gary's parking spot. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Now, the other yeah. the other story that I remember so well was nineteen. 19- 79 Gene Autry's Christmas party. And to back up and explain this a little, of course, at that point, Ina, Gene's wife, was still alive, and they would always have this party, for reasons maybe you understand, at this strange place in Inglewood, not all that far from the, from the Forum. And it was uh, usually quite a sedate affair. And I had a friend, you know who it is, but who will remain nameless for this story, because at that time, this is, this is the 70s, 
he's gay and he can't take his significant other. And he said to me, would you accompany me to the KMPC Christmas party? Sure, why not? You know, (laughs) food's going to be pretty good. And so you can pick it up from there as to what happened. Well, there's a, uh, yeah, it's a storied, big, old-time mafia place called the Cockatoo Inn. And we had trade there as well. And we had these lavish Christmas parties where they, uh, uh, in addition to the great food and the music and stuff like that, they would give, we had, you know, the radio stations have what's called a prize closet, things where they have all the things they give away. Well, at the end of the year, it's anything that wasn't really given away for that year. We had to get rid of it to clean out for the new stuff. So there was TVs and radios and shaving cream and whatever. And they would have a raffle, and they would give that off to staff members kind of as the Christmas present. And by the way, Gene Autry was always very generous. Every year for Christmas, you got two yeah. weeks' pay. You got a turkey, yeah. a Shelton's turkey, a Farmer John ham. Very, very nice. Yeah. So now we're having this party. And like I was saying with Robert W. Morgan and Rick Dees, people were very, very competitive with each other. And uh, his fellow boss jock, uh, Charlie Tuna, uh, who uh, replaced him when he went to Chicago to WIND and then came back to KHJ, uh, was doing mornings the same time he was doing mornings at KMPC. And, of course, I, and, was, I was his news girl. <laughs> at, right, and you, and you were doing the news. So when Ray... Uh, the, came and did this when the gentleman did that uh he brought you as his uh his date and uh robert w morgan's comment a little less flowery maybe after a couple cocktails is hey why did you bring uh charlie tuna's news seat to uh our christmas party and it was a big uh it was a big whole ordeal and uh well uh it was Let's hilarious. Just say it was uncomfortable. It, you know, for, yeah. for everybody, but I thought this was the funniest damn thing. Because firstly, this event was so sedate as far as that goes. Because it was. You know, yes, it was a mob place and all that. But it was, you know, very well done and very uh, whatever, a formal. We'll just go with formal. And it was, it was semi-boring in its way, but the food was pretty darn good. But so, yeah, in walks Morgan, Great who, of food. course, drunk as a skunk, takes one look at me and then, you know, shell, uh, shouts out the expletive. And so I remember at the table was Morgan's engineer at the time. I can see the guy. I don't remember his name, but I can see him as if it was yesterday. Dennis, 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 yes, Dennis, right. And I, I looked at Dennis and I said, oh, the entertainment has arrived. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he was very, he was very color, color, colorful outside of the workplace. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was funny because it was so loud that there was nobody in this place that didn't hear it, and I, I can still yeah. see the look on the Audrey's face on this, and I'm thinking this is better than any Christmas party I've ever been to. So good, yeah. uh, good you, times. And, and, and you took it, and you, and, you, and you took it very well. Well, I just lo- like I say, I just loved it. It was like you know, it was pretty boring until this, and I thought, you know, who's coming in next? And uh, nobody, of course, yeah. that night did top him. But uh, a good time was had by all. And of course, you know, when we talked earlier, you had brought up a, a ton of stories that I wanted to bring up. And believe it or not, the hour has passed. 
Well, we'll have to get to them next time then. That's right. See, I'm glad you stepped in there and said that because you see now I have you on record that you will uh, you will come back and uh, and do that. So, Kevin, as always, uh, thank you. Everybody will be watching your work on entertainment tonight, and uh, hopefully, 2021 is going to put 2020 to shame. Let's hope so. And always a pleasure being on your show. Uh, uh, your uh, listeners have a treat every time you're on the air. <laughs> Thanks for that, Kevin. We'll talk soon. Appreciate that.